Hey everybody, check, check, check. One, two, one, two. Good. All right, we recording? Hey guys, we are super excited. We have just launched our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash ncbeerpride. Three easy ways to join to become part of our team. $3 one, buy us a half pour of beer. A $5 one, buy us a full beer. And a $20 one, buy us a four pack of beer. This way you can help directly support what we're doing and helping promote the North Carolina craft beer scene. We're super excited to have you guys be part of our team, join us, and directly help us so we can continue to spread the word about North Carolina craft beer. Once again, patreon.com slash ncbeerpride. We'll also have this linked in our Instagram. The link will be right in our bio. You can click on it, go right from there. Appreciate you all being a part of our team. Cheers, y'all. Hey everybody, let me tell you about today's sponsor for our episode. The Brewer's Kettle has locations in High Point, Clemens, Wilmington, Kernersville, and Lexington. This is the premier bottle shop in those towns and those cities. They are the place that not only that we record at for most of our podcasts, but it's the place that I shop at when I'm looking for something special, whether it be wine, whether it be North Carolina beer, or cigars from all over the world. They are the go-to shop. They are the place that we frequent the most. And heck, even David's been on one of our podcast episodes. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and check that out. And if you find yourself in one of these areas, swing on by. The staff and the owners are some of the nicest people you'll meet. And they will help you out with all your wine, cigar, and beer needs. Take it from us. We know. We've been doing this for quite a while. And couldn't be prouder to have them as one of our sponsors. So thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Cheers, y'all. Hey everybody, we're back with the, uh, another episode of our podcast, and if you listen to our previous podcast, uh, we had Ken Wilson on, we talked about the great, infamous Todd Isbell, and without any further ado, we have the great, infamous Todd Isbell on with us today. Hello everyone! <laughs> Todd is a very unapologetic New Yorker, as uh, you will come to find out. He, he speaks his mind, he speaks it freely, and... Uh, that's what personally I love about Todd. Uh, first time I met him was I was uh, bartending. <laughs> Yankee uh, bread, baby. Yeah, hey, and I am too. I'm born and raised in Connecticut, so we're next state away. Uh, so we kind of we kind of hit it off pretty well. The first memory I had of Todd, I was bartending at Brown Truck here in High Point, and somebody wanted this guy was drinking some beers, and he was like, "Put on a soccer match," and I'm like, "Soccer?" I'm like, "What? What?" And then next thing I know, I put on the soccer match, and then he's sitting at the corner of the bar singing at the top of his lungs the soccer club's fight song or whatever. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> and, you know, from there, you know, we've shared uh, our crazy uh, 80s movie genre titles. Yeah, yeah to go back to uh, football, Rustin. Football as in soccer for all the Americans. Correct. Yeah, Rustin is probably the better. Uh, he's most assuredly a former brown truck uh or actually, Current. contemporary bartender, and he, he still is, is extremely knowledgeable when it comes to uh, football. I am, uh, I'm more baseball lacrosse, but I am a soccer guy as well. Liverpool, but it's, I was born in Liverpool, New York, so I know we're uh, people probably hate on me for being a bandwagoner, but because they have a really awesome team currently. But 15ish years ago, when I started following football. 
it was pretty easy to pick the team because I was born and raised in Liverpool, New York. So makes sense. Here I am. Makes sense. Well, plus you spent some time overseas too. I did. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get it. We'll get into that. We'll get into that here uh-huh. here in a little bit as well too. So so yeah. So that's how I met Todd and. Uh, from then on, we've had a lot of fun conversations. We've uh, had a lot of uh, beers together. We've had some really fun uh, brainstorming ideas for making beers for about and for mm. certain people. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the Ian Brunette uh, beer was <laughs> <laughs> was a fantastic one. Shout out to Ian. In fact, the anniversary for that was uh, that Facebook lets me know about, what do they call them, the memories? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was uh, only a few weeks ago, I think. Was it really? I can't believe it's been a year. Yeah, it was something like that. That's insane. So Ian Brunette. The Ian Brunette. Glitter brown ale. It was a glitter brown ale with, with Hershey, Hershey, Kisses. Hershey Kisses and edible <laughs> glitter. Oh I, love you, <laughs> I, lo- I love you, Ian. I love you, Ian. We'll definitely get into that story and how you got him here at the Brewer's Kettle, which we are recording live at the Brewer's Kettle. Yeah, he thought he was having uh, Cantillon. Uh, he thought he was going to do a, a legit goose tasting. And no, nope. <laughs> he was doing a, he was doing a brown yeah, ale wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong again. So anyway, so that's that's kind of a little bit of the backstory uh, of me and Todd. But there's so many uh, so many more layers to this onion per se. Um, oh, it keeps peeling. Oh, it keeps peeling, and it keeps on giving. Uh, the the more and more that you get to know. Uh, Todd, the the more that the layers get peeled back, <laughs> and the more you start to cry, just so very much like an onion. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's sour, sometimes it's sweet. That's right. <laughs> oh man, that's they keep great. peeling though. The layers yeah. are deep. What well, you got? You have a lot. You have a lot to peel back, my friend. You, there's oh, a lot to yeah. go with. So. I got a, a bevy of stuff. But but that's what makes that's what makes you who you are. And honestly, when I when I started the whole podcasting thing, I was like, man. You know, talking with my producer, and we're like, man, he's like, dude, he's like, get me your top three. The top three people that you want on there, and you were one of my top three. You were the top three. Is that because I'm kind of a Dave Chappelle show top hater? Or... I don't know what it was. I think hate, it was, hate, hate, hate. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. So I'll, we'll probably get a lot of downloads and a lot of listens because everyone's like, "Oh, I hate Todd," but I can't. Okay. I can't I, not listen to I, it. What he has to say. Of pride. Yes, and that's what makes you you, and that that's the best part about uh, this whole thing personally that I like. That they, you know, that made me be like, "Wow, I, I want to know this guy." And then the more that I got to know you, the more it was like, "Oh my gosh." This guy's life experiences, you know, what he's, you know, gone through, you know, through time in the military, um, you know, time really spent learning his craft in beer and getting to the point where being able to teach college courses on beer. It's just like, wow, there's just so much interesting things about. If you're a, f- a foodie, it would be, uh, you know, MSG, monosodium glutamate, and it has that uh, what they call uh, Moorishness. You want to keep on eating it. Yes. I, this is both good and bad, by the way. <laughs> Moorishness. Moorishness. I like that. I like yeah. that. I'm going to use that in a sentence this week. <laughs> Keep on eating. Actually, Moorishness is a good uh, Charlie Bamforth uh, quote. Oh, well, there you uh, go. Which, is, uh, which I guarantee the question will come up at some point. Um, you know, the greatest beer ever. And it's the one you want a second of, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. What makes a great beer is, do I want to have another one? And, and, and that, I think that's, that's where Moorishness really comes into play. Well, I think that's, you know, touching yeah. on that topic, I think that's a very touchy topic, especially in nowadays craft beer scene, because it's like everybody, nobody wants to drink a beer more than once. 
everybody wants to have the the latest and greatest, upload it to their favorite app. Yeah, which is rate great. It, yeah, and then okay, yeah. what's next? I yeah, got the it's, can. it's great for craft beer, but it's also awful for craft beer. Exactly, it, it's the it's the um, double edged sword. Yeah, you can go to breweries in Europe that have been around for seven hundred years, just using a number off the top of my head, uh, and they make one beer. That's it, and it's a ubiquitous, uh, you know, dark amber lager. But it's amazing. <laughs> like, it's three times older than our country. We've been making this nonstop, always. Yep. And people and, go back for it. And they keep going back to it. But, yeah, the the contemporary American palate is very different. I, I, I still can't believe that people wait in lines and will spend $20, $25 for a four-pack of something that has zero shelf stability, you know, lactose, sour, fruit, beer, that you could never store warm because the brewing practice. And, yeah, it's blow up. It's an interesting uh, world we live in. And it's there's two edges of the sword. I mean, you know, one side is really great, innovative, tastes awesome, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, people pushing the And then the, the other side is, this is dreadful. Uh, you care about um, lad Bible and uh, like selling issues. Yeah. But, you know, we live in a capitalistic uh, environment, which is one of the things that makes our country great. Uh, but... And so selling, we're in a business, right? Correct. You're so in business we, to make we, money. Yeah, we're in a I don't know any breweries money. that are non for profit. And uh, but we, one of the things that makes our the American brew scene, I think, is awesome. But at the same time, it's like roll, roll heads, or roll eyes, and and look at things, and uh, it can it can get weird. And it, you have to be on point and really savvy, depending on your. Um, your angle, the way your business model is. You really have to be on point, or <laughs> I don't care about top 40 hits. I'm interested in the, the classic that will transcend all generations. Yeah. And there's something to be said about both. Uh, so neither are wrong, uh, both are right, both are wrong. Yeah, how you, how you phrase things. So basically, all just depends on the business model you're going after. Uh, yeah, essentially. I just, yeah, I just. So if you're care. a big logger house, let's say like Old Mech down in Charlotte, right? A you're not going to see that. Place. You're not going to see them doing crazy fruited sours no. or and I you know triple oh dry hopped IPAs. Yeah, yeah. They're they're sticking to German style lagers, which they absolutely kill. I they love. Kill it. They love are their awesome. beers. Yes. Yes, I'm friends with the brew staff, friends with the owners, and they are OG. Well. Relatively speaking, they're OG to contemporaries, but uh, they're really only, what, 10, 12, 15 yeah. years old. In, in the grand scheme of things, they're not a very old Right. Movie. But then yeah. again, like you said, fact, How countries, old are they? They're probably 10 to 15 years old. I would say in that range, yeah. Because I've lived in North Carolina for 12 years now, and they opened right after I came here. Yeah. And they hit the ground running because they were where Sugar Creek is currently. And that's not a small building. If you've ever been to Sugar Creek, oh yeah, yeah, that that is a big building, and they moved to an even bigger building across yeah. the street. And uh, do they still have the distillery next door? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then they have cool. a cider place down yeah, the road sure as well too. So yeah, COVID I mean, there's there's a bunch of different things affected that, everybody. Yeah. But Old Mac is one of my favorite breweries in the state, without question. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and is that just because of the styles of beers they brew? Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, that would actually... Yes, you are correct. Uh, they are really good from... I mean, I lived in Germany for almost three years, so I, I, 
it was a soft side of my heart or that that barb that wants to continually be a traditionalist and they're not easy beers i mean i hate to say this to some of the people that might be listening here but the really overly hopped ipa hazy ipas that have no shelf stability and they all pretty much taste the same (laughs) um those they don't last because there's no shelf stability um, but if you could have a really quality made Pilsner, that will be, you know, year round, first of all, year round. And almost around the world, people will recognize it as being, you know, a great, well-made uh, beer. In fact, a German Pilsner or a German Helles might be the barometer by which I would judge a brewery. If you can make that clean and... Then, then I'll judge you. <laughs> then, then you know what you're doing. Yeah, because, I mean, these uh, lactose bombs, pastry, stout, sour, fruit, beers. I mean, I'm exaggerating to prove a point. Yeah. But all those exist at once, by the way. <laughs> and uh, that are $8 a can that have no shelf stability that will blow up on you. I, I don't think that's quality beer making at all. Yeah, um, but I might enjoy one. Yeah, actually, every once in a while, I did yesterday, but I shared a sixteen ounce can. I'm not going to name names or anything like that. But I shared a can with another brewer and an owner of a beer bar, where we are right now. <laughs> <laughs> so one, one third I, I gave away. Yeah, uh, and so and since you're talking to me, I guess two thirds. And so, um, I mean, it was good for what they were trying to make. But good luck trying to sell that to, I don't know, anybody outside of America, let alone, um, again, shelf stability. That, that's, a big, that's a big aspect of, you know, when something mandatorily has to be kept cold, which you should do, anyways, for every beer. Keep your beer cold and drink it as, as quick as possible. With the exception, there's a few exceptions that we can get into yep. down the road. Uh, bigger AVB, some some sours, not all sours. Some bourbon um, barrel aged stuff as well yeah, too. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, exactly. And most of those are going to be the higher ABV, correct? Highly hopped. Uh, you know that helps, but of course, hop character is going to diminish over time. Um, so, aged hop beers. Yeah, we don't, we accidentally don't do well. We accidentally aged an IPA for one year. <laughs> that was the last <laughs> podcast with Ken, and we oh, dra- yeah, and yeah, it was it wasn't terrible. It wasn't oh, terrible. So it was produced properly. Well, so, so the the brewery was Treehouse. We, we talked about oh, it up okay. in Massachusetts, and yeah, yeah, yeah. so I have a buddy who lives up in the Northeast there, and he goes there all the time. And I was like, "Hey, man, here's some money. You know, send me a couple of the beers whenever you can. No rush. Here's some money. Yeah. Some is in quotes, by so, the way. Some, yeah, but twenty dollars, <laughs> and I got four cans. Um, oh, actually, you got a good deal. Yeah, I actually got a good deal. Yeah, you know, tw- and I didn't, have to, for- I didn't have to pay shipping, so I was I was okay with <laughs> Sweet. it. Sweet. So it worked out well. So. Uh, you know, he sent me four beers, and you know, I had a, you know the beer left. It was a doppelganger, which is when I think it was a double IPA or something like that. And I grabbed it out of the my beer fridge to give to Ken because he had brought up some beers from another brewery. That I was like, hey man, my way of saying thanks. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. He gets it, and he's like, dude, what the heck is this? You know, kind of just razzing me, teasing me. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, it's a it's a good beer from a reputable thing. He's like, dude, it was candy almost a year ago. I was like, oh my, I was like, I was so embarrassed. I felt so bad. Yeah, He's like, awesome. no way, this is great. So we actually, 
We recorded the podcast. We drank it uh, on the podcast. We got a YouTube video up. Yeah. <laughs> so we got a YouTube video up so you can watch it at the same time. And, you know, like I said, it oh, it's was. YouTube. So well. it's both. It's both. Oh, we have it on the podcast, and then my wife recorded it. Shut the front door. Shut the front door. <laughs> so. Which nobody says anyway. I'm just kidding. Oh, is uh, that is that no? That, you can say whatever you want. No, I have no idea. I'm I'm, a, I'm as old as you are. So my kids tell me right. stuff all the time. They're like, yeah, I'm Gen X. So yeah, me too. Gen Z and millennials make fun of me. Yeah, I, everybody makes fun of me, so I'm <laughs> used to it. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So we drank it, put it on YouTube, and then we also obviously got it for the podcast as well. So you Good. know, if you're bored, you can check that out. But yeah, <laughs> that's it, great. It if held you're up, bored, it, it held up. Listen to my really podcast. Well. No, I just I just know. Perfect. How, yeah. So if you're Todd and you're sitting on on the crapper on, on an appointment, yeah, you know, on an appointment, on sitting around doing how nothing, much you t- or how much uh, Netflix can you watch? Yeah, the only Press time the only time he gets on Facebook is boring ass podcast. <laughs> listen to me and another guy drink a one year old IPA. That's awesome. <laughs> or I was mostly saying it because I know the only time you I get on your social this. media is when you are handling uh, your hater. business. Yeah. <laughs> that too, yeah. which always makes for great, interesting posts. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Oh, so yeast sample too. So, but anyway, Thanks, by the way. yeah, absolutely. So anyway, it, it going back to you know having those things and you know shelf stability and stuff like that. I think a lot of these breweries, especially the way that we are now in the year that we're in, and the way that the market is going for craft beers, like I said, nobody really wants to have a beer more than once so it's easy for these breweries to say hey look fine you want to keep drinking these heavy you know double hopped you know whatever you know experimental hop ipas juice bombs hey if yeah. you're willing to pay 22 to 24 dollars for a four pack pt burnham loves these people. and and you're lining up in line for it right and we sell out day of we don't have to worry about shelf stability I totally agree concur with you yeah it's it's really an awesome business model from a uh, yeah again P T Barnum, and people like they'll have the hazy uh, hazy IPAs of course they're New England new, style new IPAs yeah. yeah they're well relatively new so we'll say a couple years three years four years maybe um, they're contemporary sexy they sell out they have zero shelf stability again but they charge a premium which is great so from a capitalist standpoint this is fantastic or P T Barnum standpoint. But at the same time, you could have this week, we are going to be releasing this one-off, Azaka Mosaic Galaxy IPA. Next week, a Galaxy <laughs> Mosaic and Azaka IPA. With it's a dry hop and big secret. Right. And it's like, you know. wait a minute. We just added the same. They all, I mean, I shouldn't, I'm blanket statement for. Uh, broad brush strokes. Yeah, yeah, broad brush strokes. I'm doing a blanket statement just for uh, comedic. But some extent, a legitimate sense. They all taste the same, everyone. <laughs> like, you're spending $25 a four-pack for most of the time. If it's well executed, great. Awesome. Yeah, but, the label's, but the label's different. Yeah, the, label, the label's different. Right, which they most likely fly under uh, uh, TTB radar. <laughs> I highly doubt... Half of them are being approved. <laughs> I mean, but but that, but that, yeah, it's but, true. but but and to go off your point with that, but you know, some of them definitely aren't. But that's what kind of leads to the lore for some of these beers too, right? There was a there was yeah. a brewery down in Charlotte that released their Santa cookies that had a hmm. very um, what, what is Santa cookie? Mean? We'll, we'll get into is that later. I don't know. I, I, oh, all I know is that the <laughs> label got reported to the state, the ABC for the state, because they didn't get the label approved. But it's what made 
the beer blow up, then all of a sudden everybody uh, wanted uh-huh. it because it was reindeer in different Karma Sutra positions. It was called like Naughty oh, Reindeer or something like okay. that. Forget I what it was. I did hear about so that, and I think I all even of a sudden, saw the label. All of a sudden, beer. you couldn't, you couldn't, out. yeah, you couldn't find it anywhere because all of a sudden everyone's like, "We want the can." Yeah. And so it just makes to the recycling bin quicker. <laughs> uh, it makes it to people's, you know, bottom line quicker is uh, yeah. what it did. Because all of a sudden, yeah. account reps were like, oh, heck yeah. And Everybody's calling them up being like, we want this beer. We want this yeah. beer. Just for the simple fact of, oh, man, it's the band label. The That's quote, unquote, funny. band label. And that correlates with uh, Lagunitas did the Chronic, uh, which then became censored. The same theory. But exactly. nationwide. Yeah. Um, I mean, Green Man a couple years ago put out... Of course, out, Lagunitas, you know, the craft beer people hate Lagunitas. Because you know, <laughs> Heineken. Heineken. Heineken, Heineken, yeah. Heineken owns them. But I'll tell you what, man. You go to Chicago or you go to California and you see their brewery. It's amazing. Yeah. It is awesome. I mean, it's the same thing. I was know. treated like gold last time I was in Chicago. It was great. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with Goose Island. Everybody yeah. hates Goose Island until Black Friday. Then everybody lines up to get Bourbon County. Yeah. and But the beer is... Stellar. Same thing with uh, Wicked Weed. Their beers are amazing, irrelevant to AB. Uh, and I know people that work there and have worked there. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they had to do more monitoring. They had to do more reporting kind of things or allocation, whatever. But they still had free, they still have free reign. Um, you know, I could give you a vague recipe for, uh, their IPA, you know, which is amazing, really, really good. Maybe we almost can, all Pilsner malt. Maybe <laughs> tiny maybe, bit of acidulated. Maybe tiny we can maybe we can save that for our Patreon members. <laughs> Centennial Todd and will give citra. you a uh, a basic recipe for some uh, some yeah. wicked weed. Uh, this is a beer. vague, just a vague recipe. That's kind of how it goes. That's awesome. Well, hey, so we kind of touched on it a little bit. So, uh, like you said, you are right now currently unemployed, but you were yeah. for many, 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 many years. The head brewer over at Liberty Steakhouse yeah, here at my year, point. Twelve years, yeah. So that you know that place, they, they just kind of said, "Hey, we're we're closing up shop." Kind of left you out there, um, but you've been also brewing for a long time. So the, 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 a lot of things that you're saying, and the, the, you know, you're not just you know shooting from the hip here. You have a lot of experience <laughs> in right? the brewing world. You know the ins and outs. You know how to make good beer. Yeah, it you came know how in, to make all that yeah. stuff. You're correct. Uh, yeah, so I came into the brewing world, professional brewing world, in 2003. Mm-hmm. Prior to that would have been the voyeur, so to speak. And I'd have been the um, craft beer enthusiast. I think that would be a, a good way to say But uh, craft... So 2003 was... I was doing engineering in uh, central New York, Casanova, New York, actually. And concurrent with my engineering career, I did free help at Empire Brewing Company, also rest in peace. And but it was a fantastic place to um, to learn, and I just did free help there um, due to labor laws and stuff like that. You can't really do free work at breweries anymore. But um, but Andy Gersten is uh, still one of my good friends and I owe him a, a tremendous amount um, and he's working at Sackett's Harbor uh, in, which is well north of uh, Oswego, New York as well as um, another brewery in Syracuse which uh, I'm spacing right now but Andy Gerson was my original mentor mm-hmm. and I owe him a lot and he was mentored by Steve Schmidt who's legend uh, he's He's out of the brewing industry, but he's a, a consultant. 
and uh, this would be again an Empire Brewing Company in Syracuse, and it was at the time borderline unprecedented. Uh, for example, four consecutive years, gold medal GBF for wow. Kolsch. Wow. But they also won medals for Schwarzbier, Dry Irish Stout, Hefeweizen. Uh, they, I mean, they ran the game. more traditional was, beers. Co- yeah, correct. And this would be, obviously, uh, early 2000s, late 90s. So some people could say, well, American beer was boring then. I'm like, what? There's nothing boring about a fresh Hefeweizen. Yeah. This is the essence of summer beer, fresh, awesome beer garden, enjoying life. Uh yeah, I'm trying to think what other medals they won, but it still has yet to be beaten. And I think it, it won't be beat because there's so many breweries. I mean, we're, we're hitting 9,000 breweries now, and everyone is submitting. In the U.S. Uh, yeah, in the U.S., and everyone's submitting beers. So four consecutive golds for the same style, that'll never occur, ever. It's pretty impressive. But it was such a, I mean, badass place to, and it was a small brew pub, seven-barrel pub system. Wow. I mean, it was really cool. And Steve left. Um, he went to England because, uh, if my memory is correct, his wife had the, the real you know awesome job. And I forget what she did. But uh, they moved to England, and he became the head brewer at Meantime. So he helped found and blow that up, which is now exported here, like their coffee, stout, and stuff like that. Did really well, and he was at uh, Red Hook as well. Yep, uh, Merrimack or Merrimack, New Hampshire, New Hampshire, Hampshire, <laughs> New Hampshire. Live free or die, baby. <laughs> and it was the greatest state model. Um, but anyway, so, so he was there, and then he did side consulting after that. But so Andy, Andy took that over. Andy became the head brewer due to necessity, and I just happened to be that random person that went in at the bar, happened to see him. I was homebrewing at the time, uh, extremely amateurish. And he said, or I asked him, uh, should I, or I'd like to have, um, you know, some experience help you out. Because it's cool and sexy if you think. You think it's cool to actually work in a brewery. From the outside, and then, in, it's yeah, great. And then when you actually work in a brewery, and you then you have to wash kegs. <laughs> yeah, the, the word sweat equity. Yeah, uh, really starts to play, take yeah, shape. Like, I didn't think everything starts at fifty pounds and goes up from yeah. there. Yeah, and it's damn, it's hot. Yeah. And like, what do you mean it's ninety-five hot. degrees in here? Yeah, yeah. So he's like, "Well, Saturday morning, be here at seven a.m." And it was a half-hour drive for me, which isn't that much. Uh, I lived in Casanova at the time, and they were in downtown Syracuse, so uh, 25, 30 minutes. And I showed up, of course, you know, about five, ten minutes early. He was like, "Oh shit! I didn't, I, I didn't know you were going to show yeah, up. I didn't even think you were going to show up." And we hit it up, and it was one of those uh, the, the setup of that brewery, which unfortunately is no longer. It's awful, but it was you mill as you're mashing in. Because they didn't have a, a grist case or hopper, and so you're you know, like, go in, fifty-five pound bag goes in, go up, stir, go back, mill in, go back up, fifty-five pound, you know, and it, repeat. Uh, so seven barrel, which isn't too big. Uh, everything was manual, but we were in a um, a sub or we were in a cellar floor, so it had to require two people to get the grain up bucket wise mm. to go up to the street for the farmer to come 
And we're in a downtown, I mean, Syracuse isn't Manhattan or anything like that, but still, it's a you know, city. And a picture uh, Greensboro and um, Winston-Salem combined. That kind of size city. And so, um, but urban, yeah. And so, uh, we still, the grain out was all manual. And then we had to do the two-man barrel lift up a flight of stairs, industrial flight, um, which would be another five steps, maybe. <laughs> give myself more. It just more, sounds cool. Yeah, I know. It give myself more glory. Yeah. Your Fitbit <laughs> and, will thank yeah, you. Another couple drops of sweat. And uh, then we put it all on the road. And But the cool thing was, because, again, it was concurrent with my engineering gig. And um, there were a ton of pretty girls that worked there, too, which is great. But the cool thing was, like, I got experience. Andy got free help. I got a free shift meal. So, you know, get lunch. Yep. It would be t- probably twice a week. Uh, so not a huge endeavor. Um, but just the experience was so awesome. And it was such a good brewery. And we would go to beer festivals. And, I mean, I, I'm not boasting, but we would kick ass. We cleaned house like all the other breweries there were not even remotely as good and our line was ferociously deep um and i guess that's probably a little bit of uh, arrogance coming out but it was the provenance that was already came from andy and steve hmm. so i mean they paved the way and i was just this random assistant that yeah. happened to come in and andy could have done the job himself he was just, yeah, that random time, like, bringing the grain up. He just would have found some guy in the kitchen, uh, which I did, too, at Liberty, like, if I'm getting grain in. Like, hey, I need a couple of people. We got to push, you know, a 2,000-pound pallet up the ramp yeah. times five. But I, I just need you for a small amount of work for a collective 15 months. Not a big deal. Right. But I was able to ride on those coattails. And that's really where, you know, that the, the light bulb clicked. And we, we didn't get into this, or we haven't gotten into it yet, but, like, my, you know, my dad worked at Miller Brewing Company in Fulton, New York, as a kid growing up. And not, I wouldn't go visit him all the time, but still. Um, so this would be when I was you know, zero years old to early high school. So I'll go like a sophomore in high school. So my dad worked at Miller Brewing Company in Fulton. So going to visit him, which is rare, but at the same time, if you want to, if you think, any, anyone here, if you think like a 400 barrel tank is really big, like you go to Foothills, and yeah, they're big for. They're big uh, tanks. They're big <laughs> they're tanks. Big tanks. Right. They are not even remotely close to what the big boys are doing. And so. For example, unfortunately, we don't have uh, Miller in Eden, yep. which I've been there in, well many, many times. Um, you know, a th- yeah, we're talking five, six thousand barrel tanks, and it's just five brews going to them because a batch of beer is a thousand barrels. And there's so many breweries in the country. I mean, I worked at well, my whole life has been smaller than a thousand barrels for a whole year. <laughs> you know. Uh, so seven, eight, ten, twelve barrels at a batch, 
and but it was really cool going to visit dad uh, because it would be um, not only these huge stainless steel tanks, but we're talking acres of mechanization, you know, the packaging. Because my dad was he wasn't a brewer, he was a, a production man or excuse me, a packaging manager. So he oversaw kegging, canning, bottling. Hmm. Which if you've ever been to a Miller, AB, you know Heineken, other the, like the large breweries. If you've ever been to one of those breweries, they, they, it's acres of packaging. Yeah. I mean, it's a massive amount with... And probably the biggest one I've been to is Sierra and, Nevada. Okay, take Sierra Nevada, which yeah. is pinnacle which is, it's, a, it's a big size thing there. <laughs> right. Haw, Haw River. I mean, and multiply a, that by 20. I can only imagine. I mean, that's it's, yeah, it's extraordinary. And Sierra Nevada is one of the greatest breweries in the world. And they're only doing a million barrels a year. <laughs> yeah. And they're like... Sometimes I would, of course, my dad's been out of the, he's retired obviously now, but uh, it's like, he'd find out how many barrels we would do. He's like, I think that would be our losses in a shift, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Yeah, so he'd like, find out how many barrels just, you did yeah, at your no, job like, and be like, that's what me. we'd pour down, you know, that's what we lost in, you know, half fills yeah, or yeah. miss fills or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's, that's it, insane. it's cool. Uh, but it was, it was really neat to see that from a, um, just from a uh, like nonfiction standpoint. Yeah. And still to this day, I don't get worked up over the craft beer, non-craft beer. I mean, I, I celebrate craft beer, and I use my money that way. Yep. But I, there's something to be said about Budweiser, just straight up Budweiser. It is exactly what you want, when you want it, and it will be, if it was made in Texas, if it was made in Florida... It was made in Newark, New Jersey. It was made in Fairfield, uh, California, or Fort Collins, Colorado. It is the exact same, and that's how they get their rocks off. <laughs> I mean, you know, to be honest with you. And to be that good at zeroing in to make the exact same thing. Because, I mean, we're in the manufacturing industry, you know. Um, and to make it the same every single time just from a manufacturing standpoint at multiple uh, multiple places you know sources it's really really impressive yeah and, and we had touched on that and in, 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 you know in the podcast with Ken is that like you know a, a lager is the hardest beer to make you know and then for yep. again you know more business practices and morals aside you know, what AB InBev and all these other, like the Miller Coors, what they're able to do on a consistent basis, nailing it time after time after time. It's and like I said, I said, you know, you can have a guy that all he drinks is, you know, Budweiser. And if something is off somewhere in that recipe, he's going to know. Right. But he's the same know. thing is, the most he never has, you know, that guy never has that occasion. That guy never has that. And he'll never problem. have to. Right. But he doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah. And that's where their QA people, the boys and girls in their quality assurance, uh, and QC. Uh, QC is kind of after the fact. QA yep. is a little bit more important, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> so on their quality department, it's extraordinary what they do. Yeah. And they don't have to worry about that guy complaining at a bar because it never happens. Yeah. And I love craft beer. Uh, I mean, it's my life. It, it Quite literally, it is my life. But the, one of the great things that at least I have a consent. Con- uh, like an understanding of, I have a, uh, you know, a conceptual understanding. That was a, probably the phrase I was looking for. Is 
what Anheuser-Busch and Miller and Molson and Labatt's and Coors and all these guys, what they paved the way, the current craft brewer takes advantage of without even understanding that, like, this is commonplace for what the big boys were doing in the 70s, the 60s, the 50s. And understanding just simple things of, uh, uh, you know, a CIP, that'd be clean in place, like the procedures, how, how by, by which you do it, understanding the type of um, seals, and you need to replace them because of this, that, the other thing. Yep. How you clean your hoses, how you clean, you know, your pumps, uh, purging of oxygen, all those things. What we take um, advantage of, or in our, our common day um, as crepers, what we think is normal, th- that that road has been paved yeah. so long ago by the big boys, yet what I would say, the ignorant craft beer snob, would lambaste the, the Bud Miller Coors, you know, just use the big threes, a lot of times they're yep. called, they'd lambaste them, I think erroneously, because, and then they go back to using, you know, go back to their brew house, which is everything that they're doing, everything that they're learning, is came from these big boys. Yeah, did we have a, you, uh, you know, uniform style of beer for 80 years here in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah, we did. And that's awful. <laughs> However, from the brewing science standpoint and application of brewing, um, we owe a massive amount to the big boys. And I don't think the craft beer industry really, truly recognizes. I think they do if they're a brewer uh, or if you're in the uh, Massive Brewer Association of the Americas or ASBC, which would be American Society of Brewing Chemists. If you're, it, or if you're in the guilds, mm-hmm. like uh, North Carolina Brewers Guild, uh, yeah, and the same thing with other states as well, because I'm assuming this is going, this is going to the internet. It's going to the internet. <laughs> yeah, and so um, uh, EBC and you know um, IBD in England, those people fully understand that I think, but the the thing is that a lot of people, the craft beer nerds. Don't, and that's more on the drinking standpoint. And they will scoff at someone having a Budweiser, and they'll love their craft-made and excellently well-made. Uh, say, um, who who is it? Founders makes the gold, you know. pure gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great beer. lager. Yeah, right. But it's it's in the same ilk of you know the macro beer, and. I guarantee the makers of at Founders, they yeah. don't look down at Miller Bud Coors. In fact, they are they're like happy that they're emulating it in a good way. As long as it's clean, not oxidized, and no diacetyl and stuff like that. Um, and that's easier said than done. But there's a great thing to always be said about um, no matter where you are in the country, this Budweiser is always going to taste the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm personal friends. He's retired now. He lives in uh, what, what's uh, I forget North Carolina and South Carolina, uh, Beaufort, Beaufort. He's the one in North Carolina. <laughs> uh, Beaufort, Beaufort. Yeah. So South coast. Carolina is Beaufort. Uh, yes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. But so he's retired. Anheuser Bush, the brewmaster. So oh, I wow. met him back in the day when he ran Anheuser Bush, um, and this would be Budweiser or Anheuser Bush. Budweiser is a brand, Anders Bush is the company. And so, uh, but he ran Baldwinsville, or Lysander, 
uh, outside Syracuse. So he was the uh, brewmaster there, and then he went to St. Louis. And then after that, he became uh, director of uh, raw materials procurement, if my memory is correct, uh, for the entire world of wow. the company, Aaron's Bush. And then ABI came in, and I think he sold out. He's like, F <laughs> all right, done. <laughs> but he and I bond because he's a Syracuse grad. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a Syracuse nerd. Um, I love orange, everything orange sports. I'm, I'm totally down. I, get, I, I love, like, you know, women's lacrosse. I, you know, I track and field I, I follow. Yeah, I'll even, like, talk shit to some of my Duke fans if they, like, win in tennis. <laughs> you know, like the random, random things. But um, beat you in water polo. What now? <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have water polo, but right, well, our right. lacrosse team is the greatest in history. With all respect to your Johns Hopkins fans living here, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it's it was cool. It was actually a pleasure to grow up in that area, be a lacrosse player, extremely amateurish, awful, um, or mediocre at best. Me. Uh, but living by Syracuse and going to games and hmm. seeing, like Gary Gate, Paul Gate, John Zalberti, and it was it was awesome. Yeah. So and so so swaying away and talking about Syracuse sports, which invariably I have to do because it's my job. I should probably also throw in some Spinal Tap quotes <laughs> and uh, Monty Python quotes. Yeah. We'll we'll get there soon enough. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>